You're listening to the Tune and Talk podcast, episode 11, interview with voice actor Ed Asner. Hello and welcome to the Tune and Talk podcast, your rendezvous for animation interviews. I am your host, Whitney Grace, and today's guest is a voice that you not only have heard, but have seen as well, because it is a man whose presence speaks for himself. Mr. Ed Asner. Mr. Asner, or Ed as he asked me to call him, has a career that spans stage and screen, and also our favorite form of acting here in the Tune and Talk podcast, voiceover. Ed's voice can be heard through many cartoons from the 1990s to the present. Some of his more prominent roles include Hudson from Gargoyles, Granny Good from the DC Animated Universe, and... Of course, everyone's favorite old curmudgeon, Carl Fredrickson, in the 2009 Pixar mega-hit, Up. If you happen to be a fan of television sitcoms, you will also recognize Ed Asner from the Mary Tyler Moore Show, where he played Mary's boss, Lou Grant, and also where he said one of his most famous lines ever, you got spunk. I hate spunk. Whatever you recognize Ed for, he is just a brilliant actor and a really nice guy. On a funny side note, when I told my mother I was going to be interviewing Ed Asner, she did something that I had never seen before and was extremely surreal for me. She had a fangirl moment. And... My mother, she's a fan of, you know, TV shows and movie stars and singers and stuff. But she really had one of those moments that you really only see from the younger set of fans at conventions. And I think it is in that moment she realized, wow, my daughter gets to really talk to some awesome and really famous people. And I could tell she felt a moment of motherly pride there. Because after all, her daughter has spunk. So before we head into the interview with Mr. Ed Asner, let's get a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. As you've noticed in the past week, if you follow me on my website, tuneintalk.com, I have published a few of my pieces that I have written. One of them is a review for a book by friend of the show, Claire Keen, who is a visual development artist and who worked on such films as Frozen and Tangled. You might also recognize the last name Keen because she comes from a dynamite art legacy. And her father is Glenn Keane, who was a really top-notch animator over at Disney during the Disney Renaissance. And her grandfather was also Bill Keane, who is known for his family circus comics. Uh, Claire is a brilliant artist in her own right, and she has written a children's book, which is a new part of her career, and it's called Once uh, Upon a Cloud. And I've reviewed it, and you will find what my opinion is on tuneintalk.com and also at fanboynation.com. I've also posted an article from my series from Tough Pigs called The World of Muppet Crap. And as you can tell by the title, it is about Muppet Crap. Not, you know, Muppet excrement, but rather 
items and collectibles, souvenirs, what have you made that has some sort of Muppet tie-in plastered on it or whatever. And the first article I ever wrote was about the Skessies dress I found on eBay. Uh, I won't go into much detail about that, but it's a pretty interesting history. You can find that at tuneintalk.com as well as toughpix.com, which should be one of your number one sources for Muppet news and anything related to Muppet fans who grew up. I'm making some headway in the content there, and hopefully this time next week, I will also be doing a bit more on social media to engage with you, my beloved listeners. So just Keep watching and looking at the website at tuneintalk.com, and you'll find something new every week. Now, also, if you want something a bit new as well every week, you can also check out my reviews related to comic books at fanboynation.com. I haven't been posting a few lately because I've been busy with my awesome book about Lada Reiniger, who is the creator behind the first animated movie ever, which is pretty awesome if you consider it that it was made by a German woman in 1923 before Walt Disney, which were counting about 11 years there, and she was using a camera, and it was all done stop-motion animation, and it was all paper silhouette cutouts. Think about that for a moment. A stop-motion film in 1923 with silhouettes, and she had to move them Little by little by little. And if you're a stop-motion animator, you know how excruciating that can be. And well, and imagine it before of all of our modern doohickeys and technology. So I'm on chapter four now. And after chapter four, we head into the 1930s. And then we segue into the 1940s and World War II. Once we get over the World War II hump, I project that the research will go a little bit faster. I hope. Enough about about housekeeping and early 20th century animated films. Let's talk about something more modern. Let's talk about Ed Asner. So I present to you without further... been a Hollywood great for years and someone I've enjoyed always watching because he can always make me laugh. Sir, would you please introduce yourself? I'm Ed Asner. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, Ed Asner is a very prolific voice actor and live action actor, and he was the voice of Mr. Carl Fredrickson on Disney's Pixar's Up. Mr. Asner, you have had such a great career, and this interview is going to primarily concentrate on your career as a voiceover artist, but could you just give us, could you brag a little bit about what you've done prior to becoming a very well-known voiceover artist? You mean in voiceovers? In voiceover and live action, just give us a summary and the Oh, one- that's too long. You're talking about 50 years, honey. <laughs> well, how about, can you tell us some of the jobs that people remember you for? Well, I got on Broadway uh, the first time in Face of a Hero with Jack Lemmon. And then uh, later on, I returned to Broadway 
with uh, Born Yesterday and Madeline Kahn. And then I recently, a couple of years ago, was on Broadway in the uh, play called Grace with uh, uh, Paul Rudd and uh, 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 what's Michael's last name? I uh, why aren't I remembering Michael? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, I'm fading with age. Let's put it that way. So, you you know me about Up. I've done, uh, I've done, uh, uh, Spider-Man on uh, the series. Uh, the first series I did was Captain Planet for Turner. And I did, uh, Freakazoid. Uh, I did the uh, cop and freakazoid. Yeah, I love and that I, role. And I did uh, gargoyles. I played Hudson, the Scotsman. And uh, what else? Uh, I remember uh, you primarily. I mean, my first introduction to your voice was on Batman the Animated Series, where you played uh, the character named Daggett. He was just a villain, and you scared the bejesus out of me when I was growing up. Oh, yeah, well, I, I still bite. <laughs> well, you have that, um, you have a rich voice that can be either a kindly old gentleman or just yeah. the most vicious, brutal guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember, so I bite. <laughs> well, I hope you don't scare off our listeners. On um, you, you've been on Broadway, you've been on live action. How did you transition into voice acting? Oh, it did. It, well, I started out in high school as a radio actor, and I, I didn't think you made a living that way, but I loved it. I just, I loved radio. I loved working with the voice and. Uh, uh, that was one of the the hardest things to put aside when, once I began strutting about on a stage was to uh, stop doing trying to do everything with the voice that I, that I had to uh, stop being Mr. Wonderful in terms of dulcet tones and rounded O's. I had to learn how to talk natural. And uh, like I'm talking to you now, so that uh, that's uh, the way it was. I uh, I used to uh, clinch my jaws a lot when I talked to give it added uh, testosterone. But uh, uh, that's, that's how far does your podcast reach? Well, we have listeners all over the world. We have listeners in Australia. We have a very big listening in Australia. Really? Really? Yeah, yeah they're starving for animation on down on deck. Um, we have people over the U.S., Canada. Um, we have one or two in Asia. And we have some people in Europe. It's predominantly England and Western Europe. So what's the weather like where you are now? Well, it is... Sunny, a little out of seasonally warm, but we're going to get a cold spell this uh, Thursday and Friday. How's the weather out in L.A.? Well, it's okay today, but tomorrow it's going to zoom up to the 90s. Oh, I hate you so much. I'm about to go into the 50s. 
Well, you're lucky. I like that temperature. You do? Yeah. Did you um grow up in a colder climate? Kansas. Kansas City, Kansas. You're from Kansas? Yeah. Oh, wow. I have never been to Kansas. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Well, uh, you know, you think of uh, uh, Kansas as rolling prairies. But Kansas City is like the the end of the Ozarks. It's very hilly. It was the hilliest city I came across until I was in Cincinnati and San Francisco. But um, uh, it uh, it uh, you know it, it was mostly temperate when I was. We didn't have that many freezes uh, or snows. Certainly more then than than now. Uh, and I left Kansas City to go to university in Chicago, and uh, that wasn't that cold either. Uh, you didn't think Chicago was that cold? No, I didn't. What are you from? Well, it's the wind in Chicago that drives people nuts. Uh, that that puts the cold right through you. But I I, I never complained of cold. And from Chicago, I went on to New York. And New York was was uh, not as cold as Chicago. Yeah, I love New York. Well, I don't. Ah. Uh, yeah. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> well, I don't smoke, but um, I'll wad it up and I'll put it, I'll grind it up and I'll eat that. You don't wad it up. Not what I have to say. <laughs> well, we have children who listen to this podcast, so we'll say, let's keep those comments to... All right, all right. Good enough, good enough. So, Gargoyles, you played the Scott Gargoyle Hudson. Yeah, I yeah. love that series. I feel it is still one of the best cartoons Disney has ever made. What did yeah, you yeah. think of that cartoon, and how did you approach playing that role? Well, I was just, uh, it's, uh, I was with a, a bunch of very good voice actors, so that intimidated me. And I always worried about doing the Scots accent right. And I doubt if I did, but I tried my best. Uh, and uh, we, had, we had a lot of fun. We had a good director and uh, a very good uh, uh, writer. I can't. Greg White, I believe his name was. Greg Wiseman. Wiseman, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think he's done well since then. I'm not sure where he is now. Uh, I'm working on some things. Last I checked for, uh, well, it was for DC for a while, but now he's doing some other things. But he's still in cartoons. He's a really, I love his stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, he's a he's a lovely, lovely guy, and I wish him the best. Um, and uh, well, we uh, we we lost. How many episodes did we do? Well, you know? I can look that up within five. Oh minutes. no, I don't. I don't want you to take that time. Your listeners oh. don't want to wait. Well, that's the wonders of editing, Mister Asner. What takes me two seconds takes me two minutes. Yeah. And be like one second on there. So I think there was a total of, oh, come on now. 
my usual source is the... Okay, now you're making me laugh so I can't concentrate. Okay, I'm working. It's almost there. Almost there. You still haven't found it? All right, screw it. I'm gonna say you guys did about fifty, fifty episodes. Oh wait, found it. Found it. Found it. Found it. Found it. Um, seventy-eight episodes. Really? Yep. Oh boy, that's cool. Cool. It is. Yeah. Well, I certainly wasn't in 78, so uh, whatever I did was fun. I know. <clears throat> still a great cartoon. I still am very upset that Disney canceled it when they did. Yeah. It, yeah. But, you know, that's in the past. And, but I was glad that your voice was in that. So <clears throat> the characters you play, um, they're typically... You kind of play mentors, and you play villains, or you play the wise old stranger. What do you think of um, these type of playing these types of roles? Well, you know, you know who I had the most fun playing, Granny Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, sure. uh, so evil. What? The, huh? Your character was so evil. Oh, yeah, but she's a lot of fun to play, I'll tell you. <coughs> what uh, what series is that called? I don't even um, know. It was either in Superman, the animated series, or Batman. I think you put, crossed over into two series, two or three. Really? Yeah. Um, Granny Goodness was featured in the DC Animated Universe for two or three series, and... I mean, she was a predominant villain with Dark Side. I mean, those those were bad ones. Yeah, yeah. I told you I bite. <laughs> you certainly do, sir. What did you like playing about Granny Good? I mean, you obviously are. I mean, you're playing a woman, which is not a role I typically see you as playing. But you're playing a woman. You're playing an evil woman. You're playing a woman who is. Um, bent on taking over the universe and spreading all her lovely evil cookies. What is that about that appeal to you? Power. Power. As long as it's mine, I don't care whether it's good or bad, as long as it's a power that I have. How do you feel about your character, being known for a character who's beaten up Superman, beaten up Batman? I mean, you're taking out a lot of people's iconic heroes there. Well, they're all sissies compared to me. <laughs> Did you ever read uh, Granny Good in the comics? No. But yeah. she exists. Oh, yeah. She's based off um, uh, a well-known character in the DC Comics first. She's, I mean, your character is really evil and villainous in the series. In the comics, she's like ten times worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has... Uh, like minions who do her bidding at all the times. She has these evil dogs. Um, I mean, terrifying. I mean, you're terrifying, but ooh. Well, I grew up with Dick Tracy, you know, and and uh, that certainly introduced all kinds of of uh, warped evil. Dick Tracy. I've only been exposed to Dick Tracy through the 1989 movie that Disney released. Uh, 
So, but I know that he was a very big comic hero, and his catch line always reminds his catchphrase, no more Mr. Nice Guy, so it resonates with me. What about him as a character do you admire, and did you ever incorporate any of his characteristics in your acting? No, no, not really, not really. Uh, uh, I just loved his, uh, his long, uh, angled nose and his square jaw. I liked his girlfriend, Tess Truart. And his, um, I don't know what he was, but he was like the um, the adoptive uh, parent of Junior. Yep, he was. And he had his sidekick, Pat, I forget what Pat's last name was. And um, Bill Plenty was part of Dick Tracy, too. Mm-hmm. He introduced some funny, funny characters that way. Yeah. I still think you see a lot of um, Dick Tracy influences in the crime novel, in the, in the crime stories of today. I mean, he's kind of, he's, I, he's almost as iconic as um, Sherlock Holmes. So, um. so, so. So many of the stories have been so influential that when you read them, you're like, oh, wait, I know there's some other works. Mm-hmm. 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 Did you did you see the, um, see, who, who was Dick Tracy um, in the movie? Uh, someone you probably know. Um, he was a real player until he got a little bit older and settled down. Who? Who? Um, the guy who played Dick Tracy in the movie, um, Warren Beatty. Yeah, Warren Beatty. Do you know Mr. Warren Beatty? Oh, yeah. Nice guy. <laughs> he always, yeah, he comes off as a nice guy. He, you know, I like it when I can see a guy on in a movie, and you can tell what their real personality is coming through a little bit, because, you know, it's kind of like Tom Hanks. He, he comes off as a nice guy, and you... It's just so genuine. You have to believe it. Well, he wanted, made one of the best movies ever. That was Reds. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> he was wonderful in Splendor in the Grass. How? I'm sure a lot of our people are dying to know is Carl Fredrickson is the one you have, is the character you are most prominently known for. Um how did you land that role? Was the character created for you specifically? No, I. Uh, my voiceover agent submitted my tape along with others. Mm-hmm. And the uh, producers, um, Pete Doctor and Bob Peterson, were smart enough to smell potential success in my voice. I mean, you know, if there's one guy you know who can play an old curmudgeon, but who still has a heart of gold, it's you. Well, the term to describe old grumps is avuncular. 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 I learned a new word today. Yeah. Grumpy but nice. 
like my grandmother. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's a she's a pistol. She's eighty three years old. She escaped from the Nazis and uh she's still raring to go and like you, she still bites. Well and uh if she's still cute I could be interested in her. Well she's never been the classic beauty, but she's attractive. She still has her baby blues. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> well yeah, I'll tell her that you're interested and she'll be like, You're joking with me, please go and I'm like, No, really, Ed Asner wants to date you, grandma and she goes, Uh huh. Go yeah. play with stuff toys and I'm like, Oh, Tell her I'm keeping my dance card open. <laughs> and I'll tell her, you know, well, you know what, sir? I wouldn't mind having a dance with you, a waltz or two, so she can come after me. All right. You're on, sister. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the character of Carl Fredrickson kind of re- represents you a bit in your physical appearance a little bit. When you were... um. Given the role, did they take pictures of you? Did they draw you? Were you no, no, them? no, no, no? They um, they decided on me, and I showed up for the first recording session, and we had about six or eight more, and that was it. How long um, were the recording sessions? Was it over a week or two weeks? No, 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 no. Four hours, six hours. Wow. You know, it's amazing when you say that the the story itself is very dramatic, it's very epic. So you, well, you, you, I personally don't think of it because voice actors, I mean, you're acting, you're doing so much more to convey emotion and physical, physical things through the voice that to me, I would think it would take longer than just Four, uh, eight, six to eight sessions of 48, 46 hours each. It just seems like it would be longer. Well, I, I call it the genius of the animators, the genius of the producers. Pete Doctor was the creator. Bob Peterson aided him, also produced. Mm-hmm. They're just, they just knew what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were, I've been to Pixar. And huh? I, yeah, I've been to Pixar. I love it. I want to work there someday. Oh, yeah? And, yeah, um, as a writer. I'm not an animator. I, I can draw myself out of a paper bag, but it would be stick figures. And they would be very sad stick figures and lopsided. But I would love to work with another writer one day. And when I do get a Pixar, I saw the voice recorder room, and I saw your signature on the wall. Um can you tell me, was it amazing just being able to sign your name on the wall? Well, I had no idea that the movie would be as successful as it was. You know, to me, it started out as a job, and I, I love the challenge of a job. I tried to do it as best I can. And uh, well, one one thing did happen around the fourth session I tripped on a rise in the recording room, and I went flying up against the wall, and my head hit a uh, 
corner that was encased in iron. Ow. Split my head open, and I needed about six staples to uh, close it up. And uh, that took a couple. That took a couple of hours, but we went back and we uh, we did the day's work. They should have given you workers' comp for that. Oh well, they were paying me well. <laughs> what I always love to hear is when um, I go to a lot of conventions, and I'm sure you've seen this as well too. But people always seem to ask the question, "Why did you decide to play this role, or why did you take that part?" and I love it when people always give the same answer, money. Yeah, of course. Because, <laughs> I mean, it just shows that, yeah, you you would be willing to play any role. I mean, and I, I think it's just great because it's the same answer, and people seem to think that there's some... I mean, yeah, there's a good, a lot of glory as being a voice actor, and I think that it, there's a lot of fame associated with it, too, but people always think that you guys just take and choose, but they always forget that you guys are working Joe's like the rest of us. Well, every every character has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Most people's taste does not do not sink below a level. Mm-hmm. So... If I was hired to play a jackass, then I'm 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 feel almost positive that the jackass would be there for laughs, mm-hmm. and hopefully I could make laughs by portraying the jackass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uh, we all have corresponding tastes and distastes. Mm-hmm. The the stretch is not that that wide or broad. We all have to tend to, to like the same things. We like beauty. And uh, when we go mad, we like to uh, indulge in ugly. That's a very accurate statement, I think, because oh, we're not so different I mean, people like to think that um, actors are more different than the regular person, but you guys have, you guys use the same emotions to convey the same feelings that we can empathize with as the characters. Right. And then you just are more, I guess, a, can I, would it be astute to say you guys are more aware of them so that you can call on them to give an accurate portrayal of the character? <laughs> Took you by surprise, didn't I? Yes, you did, sir. Ah? Yes, you did. Yes. Well, well as go. long as we can, you know, keep finding ways to surprise you, we'll keep you awake and maintain your interest. Well. <laughs> what? You hate me? Did you say that? No, I said, oh, jeez. Go on, say you hate me. No. Go on. That'll be a chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It it takes me a lot to hate someone, but... I'll work on it. Oh, you'll work on it. Well, there's a favorite line from Mary Tyler Moore that my parents consistently say as a joke, and 
if you said that to me, I might say I hate you, but until you do say that, I'm not going to say it, because I like you. I hate spunk. And I officially hate Mr. Ed Asner. Moving on. What? I said I officially now hate Mr. Ed Asner, but I retract that statement as quickly as I said it. Okay. Then I'll forever love you. I will forever love your voice and your acting. All right. So when you um when they directed you on how to play the character, Mr. Carl Fredrickson, did they show you any character art to help you show no, how to No, I, I saw some preliminary sketches. Uh, mm-hmm. um, fairly vague. I I also will give you a T.O. that uh, midway through the recording they... They said the uh, animators were very, very happy with the choices I was giving them. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. I worked alone, didn't didn't see the scenes I was doing, took my direction from uh, Pete Doctor and uh, Bob Peterson, and uh, it was a very relaxed and pleasant uh, ordeal. Well, that's good to hear. It's kind of um, disappointing to hear that you didn't get to record the sessions with uh, Jordan Nagai. Sorry, Jordan, if I said your name wrong. The guy, the kid who played Russell, because um, it it feels like you you two were in the same room. And I know that they they love having um, group recordings because the emotions are. You can just get so much more from the emotions at times. So the fact that you didn't, it's pretty amazing that you were able to convey those same emotions and you never never were together. Well, we know what a fat little pushy kid, uh, who, not not really pushy, but he just won't go away. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's hard to resist him. I mean, uh, you can only be cruel up to a certain point and then, oh, God, forget it. Ah, you can stay. What do you want? <laughs> Did, um, when you heard about the initial concept of a house being lifted up into the air balloons, what did you think of that? I thought it was great. I think it's uh, it's a fantasy all all of us would love to be able to implement, even though it's impossible. It could be possible. I speak I speak of up as being a a, a double love story. Yeah. It's the first story with uh, Ellie, and then uh, it becomes a second love story with Russell. Yeah, he becomes a. You can kind of say he becomes a father figure to Russell, and I love out the end um, how he has that leftover dirigible and takes care of all the dogs. In case what? Takes care of all the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Are you a dog person or a cat person? Well, I've been both. Right now I'm a cat person, but I certainly have had my share of dogs. Yeah. If all of a sudden um, a dog you adopted started talking to you like Doug in the movie, what would you do? Oh, he doesn't talk to me. Yeah, he does. Doug in the movie, he has that collar that translates everything. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the collar. That's right. right. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. 
Well, I would, uh, uh, I would love it. I wish, I wish we could, we would reach that stage. That uh, up until now, um, dogs and cats transmit their likes and dislikes to us uh, in pantomime. Yeah. But um, we, uh, you know, we're general. We're we're generally satisfied with the companionship and the conversation they give us. I mean, my God, they could, uh, you know, you could end up with a talking dog or a talking cat who would uh, be like a woman. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't take that. Yeah, there's uh, nothing like the love of a loyal cat or a loyal dog. It's just irreplaceable. Yeah. Yeah. So when you first saw the opening to Up, I mean, everyone I know always tears up um, over Carl and Ellie's life together um, with the baby, with their jobs, and how just they lived their lives. Did you tear up, Mr. Asner? No, I, I don't cry easily, but it's a beautiful moment. Yeah. It's a beautiful moment. I think it was, and it was a, a I don't know, I, I guess Bambi was, and, and the Dumbo was, I uh, had had tears in the beginning when he loses his mother, mm-hmm. or he's taken away, I forget what happened. And then in um, in um, Bambi, when uh, his aunt, I think it's his aunt who gets killed. Nope, it's mummy. His mother? Yeah, Disney has this penchant for killing off mothers. Yeah. yeah. Would you like to know why? Well, that's, that's, that, well, he probably lost his mother early. He did. He actually accidentally caused her death. Really? Yeah, um... He, he, um, what happened was that he started making good money. And what he did is he set his mom and dad up in this really nice house for them to retire in. And instead of hiring a, um, HVAC guy to come check out the furnace, he had some of the animators at the studio go over and check it to make sure the heater was working. And, I mean, these are animators, so they don't know what they're doing with the heating and air conditioning unit. What happened is that the accident is, since they didn't know what they're doing, they accidentally released a toxic gas into the house. It severely injured the dad, and then mom, she passed away. God, how horrible. I know. So they they kind of think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of the Disney moms passed on. Yeah. Well, that was something. He, uh, I think he came from Kansas City. He spent his uh, childhood in... Uh, Kansas City, and he actually went to the Kansas Art, the Kansas City Art Institute. Really? Yeah. My God, it's yeah. a wonderful art institute. Yeah, I I, I know that Disney, yeah, Disney. I know that Disney went there. I've never though. So ever since up, do people just come up to you randomly and say, "Hey, this is." That movie meant so much to me. The character reminds me of one of my relatives. Thank you for doing that. Oh, sure. 
Yeah. I bet that's um, mostly what the younger generation knows you for. What's that? I bet that's mostly what the younger generations know you for. Yeah. Well, you can't go wrong with a movie like Up. No, you can't. Well, let me ask you this. If Disney were to say, call you up after this interview and say, Mr. Asner, we have decided and the board is unanimous. We want to make you an official Disney legend. Well, how would you react to that? How much money is involved? <laughs> Nothing, sir. You just get a statue and an eternal glory at one of the parts. Well, make it a gilded statue and I'll think about it. That I can agree on. Um, at Dragon Con 2013, yeah. you um, were on a voice acting panel with uh, Michael Dorn, Rob Paulson, and a few others, and I was in the audience. And someone came up to you and asked, and asked the entire panel, which character are you like the most? Yeah, I'm, I'm like Carl. <laughs> My favorite was when your reply was, What? Yeah. And everyone just bursts out laughing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a little hard of hearing. That uh, that makes it easy to say, what? <laughs> it makes it easy to be grumpy, too. I have you a 95-year-old are... sister who just died, and she talked the same way. What? <laughs> when you said that, you sounded exactly like my great-grandfather before he passed away at 97. But what I like about you saying it is that you say it and I laugh. Yeah. You didn't laugh when your grandfather said it. No, because I was afraid of him. Yeah, well, you don't have to be afraid of me. Yeah. I bite, but you don't have to be afraid. Yeah, hopefully just won't be a tempest shot. Okay. Which is fine with me. What, do you ever record your voice in um, group sessions? Uh, not much lately, I must say. It's uh, been a good while since I've done that. Well, that stinks. I'm available. You want to get a group together, I'll be there. But what do you like about the um, group recording sessions? Um, I really don't care that much for them. Really? No. Nah. Uh, I don't, because uh, uh, all it does is make me insecure. All those other voices are better than mine. You know, every other voice actor says the same thing. They feel intim- they can feel intimidated by their peers, and then it's vice versa. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. You shouldn't feel like that, because, I mean, think about it, you I mean, it's good to maintain a sense of humbleness, but you, I don't know. I mean, I, you've earned the, you more than earned the right just to be confident in yourself and not be intimidated. Oh, I know. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to, you got to put on your best suit and uh, try not to show your, um, I guess, your insecurity. You said you were on Broadway back in the day. Did you ever face any sort of strange stage fright or afraid of acting in front of the camera? I mean, if so, what were some of the methods you helped to get yourself over that? No, I'm, I, 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 
finally by now, if I've prepared for it, then I don't have stage fright. I go out there and I do what I have to. And, and uh, if, I, if I have doubts, then I just get angry and, and visit my anger on uh, whoever I have to be with. And it generally gets laughs. When you're angry on stage and people laugh, does that make you angrier or does that make you happy that they're laughing at your acting? No, it makes me happy. How can you how can you be mad if you're getting laughs? Do you prefer playing a hero or a villain? Don't care. Don't care. Fine with me. And then my last question, Mr. Asner, is one I ask all of my interviewees. Oh, well, as long, as long as each of them, I don't care whether it be a hero or a villain, as long as they have a purpose. Oh, can you explain that? Well, if, if, a, if, if a hero's trying to save a city, he has a purpose. Mm-hmm. If the villain's trying to destroy it, uh, he has a purpose too, even if it's to gain power of the world. So as long as long as there's a reason and not stupidly just trying to be evil. Mm-hmm. That's all. I agree. And so that leads me to my next question, which is one I ask all of my interviewees when the interview ends. Do you, Mr. Ed Asner, have anything to declare? Well, just a little bit of heroin. What? Just a little bit of heroin. Oh, ah, we can't mention illegal drugs on this podcast. Oh, we can't? No, children. We can just talk about marijuana? You can mention marijuana and you can say illegal drugs. We just can't really say them. Uh, stay away from illegal drugs. You're stupid if you use them. How about that? <laughs> and don't smoke while you're at it. Well, Mr. Asner, thank you so much. You can for call me time. Ed. All right. Well, thank you, Ed. Yeah. Thank you so much. My um, pleasure. to the bottom of the Tune and Talk podcast and once more allow me to express my gratitude to Mr. Ed Asner for coming onto the show. I had an amazing time. There's nothing more you could say. Um, you made me laugh, you made me smile, and you apparently hate my spunk, but hey, Mr. Ed Asner told me he hates my spunk. How many people can say that they have had that done to them? Well, I only know one other, Miss Mary Tyler Moore, so I have something in common with Mary Tyler Moore. How many people can say that? Well, a lot of people can say that, but, oh, you know what I mean. But really, dear listeners, he is a very, very awesome voice actor. He is one of those voices that is either going to be a really nice guy or a really bad guy. I'm just reiterating what I said in the interview, but it's a good voice. It's solid, it's gruff, it's rocky, and frankly, if Mr. Ed Asner decided to start narrating children's bedtime stories, I would listen to them and fall asleep. And If you're interested in learning more about Ed Asner and his career, 
as well as contacting him, I will put his Twitter information, his IMDB page, and a few other notes about him in, well, the show notes. The show notes will be available two places. One will be at fanboynation.com. Just click on podcasts and then click on tune and talk because that is the name of this here show. The other place will be at our official website, which is www.tuneintalk.com, and it will be posted on the front of the page as well as the link titled episodes. If you're interested in connecting with me, your host, Whitney Grace, I am available in one of several ways. First, you can find me on Twitter at Story Sequence as well as for the show's official Twitter feed, which is at Tune and Talk. Still trying to get a schedule in place to where I am updating that uh, as well as for the Facebook page and if I feel like I have enough motivation as well as experience I will be setting up an Instagram account. We'll see how that goes. But you can also email me directly which is at tuneandtalk at gmail.com Feel free to send me your comments, suggestions, as well as your opinions of the shows. I would love to hear your suggestions for guests, what you think of the show, and ways that can possibly improve. I'm here to listen. Just as you are listening to me right now, if you are interested in supporting the Tune and Talk podcast, you can do that in a very, very simple way. You can subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher Radio. And if you feel even more inspired to share your love for the Tune and Talk podcast, what you could do is leave us a review and a ranking on one of those two sites. Because every time you leave us a review or a ranking on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, we get boosted up a little bit more on the rankings page. And it also shows me how much you love the show, which, you know, it just brings tears of happiness to my eyes. And for everyone who does that, I'll just give you a shout out as well as read your wonderful comments. Today's show is sponsored by a few cool sites. Number one is one of my favorite geeky resources for all things news related to geekdom. And that is fanboynation.com. If you need to find out what's going on in your fandom, be it Bowling, well, we don't really cover bowling, but comic books, TV shows, wrestling. Sometimes we even have a little bit of a theater piece on there. You can find it on fanboynation.com. And if you're interested in specifically animated news, you can also go to the rotoscopers.com, friends of the show there, and one of my also personal favorite news sites, as well as animatedviews.com. If you are also interested in listening to a few more things after the show, what you could do is you could head on over to audible.com and download a free trial. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, a free trial of audiobooks. I'll post a link to that in the show notes. And the great thing about audio Audible is it has a library of, I don't know how many books at, all po- at this point, but if you need a book to listen to, it's probably there, and it's fantastic. I, I don't always get the chance to sit down and read very much anymore because I am working on my own book, but when I'm exercising, cleaning, walking the dogs, you know, playing fetch with the dogs, anything dog-related, because I have three or four at this point, I'm listening to an audiobook. 
And you can find great ones over at audible.com, and I'll post the link down in the show notes. The Tune and Talk podcast is also sponsored by a fantastic writing tool called Scrivener. Scrivener is a tool to help you get the first draft of your book done. Scrivener was invented by writers for writers so that you can keep your thoughts organized, jot down, jot down a nightline, keep everything organized, and in a very cool format. Scrivener is made for writers who are just starting out or for those who just want to bump up their game a bit. And I will post links to those in the show notes as well. Well, I think that wraps us up for today for a, another round of the Tune and Talk podcast. Oh, 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 except for a few more things. I have some fantastic news, but I can't share it with you yet. The exciting news is if all things go well, I'm going to have some pretty big names coming on the show in the future. Can't say who their names are, but they are some pretty rad voice actors and animators and some other people who have an interesting story to tell you straight from the animation industry. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go listen to the Strange Magic soundtrack while I do some translation for the upteenth time. And that's for both of them. Strange Magic is... It's that new George Lucas fairy movie that's inspired by A Midsummer's Night Dream, and there's obviously some Jim Henson Labyrinth influences in it as well. It's... Yeah. But the music's good. Kristen Jenna with really belts it out, and the cover of Electric Light Orchestra's Strange Magic has been stuck in my head for two weeks. I don't know whether you should feel sorry for me or not. Either way, it's not a bad soundtrack. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you in episode 12.